You're listening to Africa's Millennials, a podcast series recorded in Ghana and published by Ghana Friendship. My name is Anna Goldberg, and together with my co-producer Caroline Nørkia, we traveled Ghana to find fascinating stories about the fastest growing population, the youth. And one of these stories start like this. Winds are blowing across Africa, optimistic breezes, political heat waves and digital winds. This is the fourth and last episode in this season. There's only one thing you need to know if you haven't heard the previous episode. Our quest is to seek out the answer. Is Africa's millennials either the root of a demographic crisis or Africa's great potential? Just to recap in 10 seconds, Caroline and I traveled to the far north in the first three episodes, that's the poor and rural parts of Ghana, and here we met the youth who utilized the internet and radio to change their future. In this last episode, we're back in the capital Accra, where we meet one of Ghana's most influential artists, Bright Aqua. Now, i could tell you a lot of facts about Bright, his political arts and much more, but instead I let him tell the story of how he struggled to become an artist and where he went to share his political streaks and be heard. Spoiler alert, it was the digital winds that made Bright's boat sail. But for now, no more wind and sailing metaphors, you're listening to the fourth episode, The Art of Change. The Uber driver stops. We're somewhere in Accra, pretty far from our hostel. A light breeze and the sound of a distant party greet us. At the end of a dirt road, we glimpse a big smile with short dreadlocks wearing the classic Brazilian yellow football jersey. Bright Aqua is holding his mobile with one hand while he beckons us over. We greet politely and go inside his house where we meet Nadia. In bright simple workspace, a giant screen that resembles an overgrown iPad takes all the attention. The sound of music flows generously through the window and although we are here to talk about art, music is not the focal point. Even though Ghana is considered a metropolitan for modern music genres such as high life. We are here to hear Bright's story and how he uses social media and the art to change the political landscape. I come from a family of six. It's always been a very, very lively home. Uh, my father taught at Accra Academy up until he retired about five years ago. Um, he taught history and government and through some of his things I was naturally introduced to um, issues in politics so he was very influential in me developing that consciousness. My mom has always been very very close to me and so I remember more than once she would give me money to buy a few crayons 
And she even bought me a very, very advanced uh, watercolor set when I was in senior high school. And for, for me, those were the signs on her side that she was already in support of what I was doing. It was my dad that took some work to convince. So I think I'm the first person I know in my immediate family who took up art. Today, Bright is one of the most influential artists in Ghana, if not the most influential. This has not always been the case, on the contrary, because although Bright grew up in a home with political discussion and his mother saw a creative talent in her son, being an artist in Ghana was not and is not recognized as a career path, and therefore... My father taught in the senior high school and he never really spoke to me directly about it but when when I, I remember when I filled forms to apply for senior high school and I chose the visual arts program he was he was surprised I used to make little drawings around the house at the time but I don't think he ever thought I would want to commit fully to it he kept on coming back to me and we kept on having the same discussion about how I could, he could have my program changed for me. And being, also being a staff member in the school that I went to meant that he had certain privileges. And so he kept on reminding me that we can change this thing for you if you want. You can change it for you if you want. And I kept on telling him, I want to do this. I want to do this art thing. Becoming an artist in Ghana is extremely difficult. There's no financial support for new and established artists. Yes, maybe there's a few exhibition sites where artists can showcase their art. And yes, there's one art academy, but take into account that in Ghana, it's expected to be 35 million people by 2025. Persuading the dream of becoming an artist in Ghana is difficult. It takes talent, courage, and some luck. Um, I, I was fortunate that the headmistress of the school at the time saw some of my drawings we were highly commended for our work. So he spoke to my father secretly. This was something I will come to know later. But he spoke to my dad secretly and then my dad felt more comfortable allowing me to pursue the arts program. But even that, that was supposed to be on a, a sort of test. So that if I did it for one year and I wasn't performing well, I would have to switch back to doing a general arts program or a science program or a business program. Well, after, after my first year in senior high school, my grades began to speak for itself. Um, I was top of my class. And so people had a lot of good things to say about me um, with my work gaining some critical attention in both the local and international media, some of my uncles and extended family sometimes calling him on the phone to tell him, hey, we saw your son in an interview maybe on the CNN or on national television. He's doing so well. We want to congratulate him and encourage him to do more. I think there's that sense of fulfillment because now he's...
after some years, he opened up to me and told me that he would have made a big mistake if he forced me to do something else. Yes, so it was, it was a very, very defining moment for me. And, and I think that was when I became fully convinced that he was really, really, really in support of what I was doing. And if you know about the general attitude of parents around here, it's a very huge deal for parents to actually admit their mistakes to their children. So it was a very big thing for me. With the support of the family, the dream came true. Bright entered the Art Academy, where one political event in particular changed everything for Bright. There was a, a decision from up top, which meant government subsidy on postgraduate tuition fees had to be scrapped off. So between the time that I applied for admission and the time I actually gained admission, tuition fees shot up from about 700 CDs to over 5,000 CDs. And because of this, this, a lot of people who actually attended the interview decided to quit with pursuing the program. Uh, I couldn't because my parents wouldn't let me. But at that moment, I just felt like I needed to express my, my strong opinions about that issue and about a lot of other issues that were going on. How do you do that? If you, like Bright, are no-name young art student with nowhere to showcase your art and no scene to step onto. Things going on that I just couldn't keep quiet about anymore. Yeah, you utilize the social media to reach the world. My first politically inspired artwork. Hmm, do I remember this? I think, I think, um, um, I think my first politically inspired piece that I made was one I called an ode to the ode to the fucking boys, as they are called, FOKM boys. Inspired by the popular duo FOK and Boys, which sound like this, Bright drew one of his iconic stripes, a strip where the two musicians from FOK and Boys, sexually and violently explored a map of Ghana that looks like a female figure. I wanted to depict the country and personify it as a woman so that what they were doing was very, very distasteful. In the background of the picture are three other characters trying to stop what looked like an assault on the country. However, there is a character of the first president who seemed very pleased with what was going on and was giving them thumbs up and encouragement. In addition to a happy president who seems to encourage the assault, there's a dead goat at the feet of the characters. I think that was the first time I also featured the character of a dead goat, which would become a recurring character in my subsequent work. Now, the dead goat thing became important for me because at the time, the president, uh, John Dramani Mahama, in the BBC interview, uh, responded to a question about how people were going on strikes in Ghana, de demanding better conditions of, of service. And, and in his response to that question, he said that, it is said that 
when you've killed a goat and you frighten it with a knife, it doesn't fear the knife because it's dead already. So I had the dead goat. He had a dead goat syndrome. So a dead goat had no fear of a knife. It was just a very, very interesting thing to see because people were very, very concerned and they were like heightened sense of pressure on the, in the country. And here you had a president on a big media platform saying he literally didn't care. Shortly after John Dromani, Mohammed's statement about his dead goat syndrome, he lost the president office in his historic landslide election. Um, I think it was the beginning of a lot of things to happen, so it's a very important piece. And the new president, where John Dromani Mahana did not care about criticism from citizens and civil society, the new president, Nana Akufo Ado, was different, absorbed by the people of Ghana, whom he encouraged to be active citizens. Today, two years after the new president took office, there's once again focus on the president's power and perhaps abuse of power. But I did this when I was also doing my postgraduate work. So it wasn't a very, very serious uh, piece for me at the time. It was just something I did on my free time. But through that, I became more inspired and I, I channeled more my energies more towards that project. But I think that would be the first piece that I remember that was directly inspired by politics in Ghana at the time. Engaging in politics in Ghana can be very, very um, dangerous, especially when you share unpopular views about things people talk about. One, of, one or two things that I have experienced in the past that I think came as challenges would be the issue of censorship. So, um, to recount, right from the time when I began making my work and started approaching um, spaces to have them exhibited, there's always been a certain sense of caution especially with the kind of themes that I was working with and the kind of institutions and the laws that um, I think governed their operations. For instance, I remember one um, foreign embassy that was having an art exhibition as part of a larger project they were doing. And someone from the embassy had approached me and thought my work would be a good fit for the kind of show they wanted to have. Um, my, I think my work was largely new on the scene at the time, but it, it presented a certain harsh voice. Everything was running smoothly until a week to the day when correspondence was that the whole exhibition had, had been scrapped off and so I wasn't going to get a chance to show anymore. 
but I was still very positive about it. So I wrote back and thanked them for the opportunity and expressed my desire to work with them later if there was a chance. Only for me to go to the show and realize that the exhibition actually went on and they, they just didn't want my work in there. I think foreign uh, embassies are not allowed to engage in certain local conversations, especially when it has to do with the politics. So I totally understood their stand. I, I only wished they were more upfront with me when, when we were having those discussions. But it just, it just gave me a certain um, consciousness you know, about what was possible with what kinds of institutions and what was not. Despite Bright's experience of censorship, Ghana has a high degree of freedom of expression and press, and both citizens and the media have a relatively large space to comment and criticize the government. Not only my right, but my responsibility to express my opinions about the society and especially about the politics. But even though there's freedom of expression and speech, it can be very dangerous to speak up, and it's still difficult to find a space to do so. One example was journalist Ahmed Hussein, who undercovered revealed the corruption in the African football system. He was killed in January 2019 in Accra. Citizens and not spectators. Being an active artist and not a spectator is a challenge. Wright does not only heed the political discussion with his art, there's still incredible few galleries and places he can exhibit his pieces. One person trying to solve exactly that problem is Nadia, art lover, social entrepreneur and friend of Bright. Um, just like Bright, I've been in Accra like my entire life. I've lived in Accra, schooled in Accra and started my career in Accra. For a long time, people have this narrative about Africa and for me, I feel that's not the entire story. So I'm like, well, let me start an arts organization to serve as a community for young people to come together, unite artists, share our pains, talk about conversations people are not having, push our works out there, let people know arts is not just a side thing to do, but it can be done on the mainstream and people will get to know that arts can be used as social good, so. As 23-year-old, Nadia founded STA Africa, an art organization that, in addition to organizing pop-up art exhibition in Accra, also helps local artists push their art on social media. And due to social media, both Bright's arts and Nadia's work reach beyond the border of Ghana. I would be all in. So since then, for three years now, I've been pushing to South Africa. Last year, I was invited to UNESCO to be part of the culture team to talk about how UNESCO could partner with young people in the culture sector to be cultural ambassadors, to talk about how you could use um, technologies to spread tangible culture and intangible culture, how we could digitize African culture and culture on the larger scale. So I made presentations at the 32nd General Conference in Paris. This year I was fortunate to also be at the African Union to join a lot of creative people, artists, 
journalists to talk about how we are using creativity to change the story and messaging of Africa. So I think artists have a role to play and young people in Africa also are doing stuff, amazing stuff out there. And if given the opportunity, they can do much more. So for me, I just want to be someone using arts as a tool to provide cultural change. Both Nadja and Bright are creating cultural and political changes in the Canadian society. And they are not alone. The virtual conversation on the internet and debates on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram do have an impact in the real world. Maybe Bright should join this question too. Yeah. We're talking a lot about it. It's, it's interesting how some of the conversations in these virtual spaces then proceed to affect real-life conversations. Yeah. For instance, one of the most active um, discussions lately has been around feminism and how the institutionalized patriarchy has to be deconstructed. And largely on Facebook, there is a, a group, a loosely knit group of young feminist voices that call themselves Pepperdem Ministries. And they every day initiate discussions just on Facebook about how African, the African or the Ghanaian society we are living in is highly unfavorable to feminine voices and to just female life and all that. And the conversations they have on Facebook have grown so much that a minister appointee for, uh, I've forgotten her name, but she was in charge of when they took Otiko Jabba out. Yeah. I've forgotten her name. <laughs> but you just moved. But like the gender ministry, at her vetting, at the parliament, she was asked if she was aware of the work this group was doing and how she, she intended to factor feminism and just feminist discourse in her position as a gender minister. And I think that alone was a very huge achievement about how something that was, started was largely on social media. And it's, it's one example of how positive discussions in, in just virtual spaces can become considerations in real life. A policy making machine was a big thing. This episode and podcast series coming to the end. Hearing Bright's and Nadia's stories, it's easy to paint a fairytale picture of their future. They are smart, they know what they're doing and they push the boundaries. Maybe I'm too optimistic on their and their generation's behalf, I don't know. It's complex to change the big lines. Even here in Denmark, where I live, it's hard. If you want to make a change here in the cold Nordics, your best chance to go into politics. And that leads me to the very last question. Why doesn't Bride and Nadia just go into politics? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just make it simple. There are different ways to go about things to get um, an outlook you want. There are so many ways to go about things to get a desired result. So personally for me, I, I don't engage so much in po political stuff just because on a personal note, I feel 
sometimes it doesn't go the way you want it to go. So I use other means to carry out my message across. Some people like to go political because, well, they feel that is how they need to go. For me as an artist and as a social entrepreneur, I won't go so political. But if there's a need to be political at a very precise moment, then I'll have to use that means to get my desired result. So, but personally, going political is not a way for me. But if there's something I need to speak about on a political issue and I have to take a stance, I definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so someday someday I'm going to become president. Yeah. Yes. And, Who knows? <laughs> yeah, and nobody will have any reason to make any ugly pictures about me because I'll make sure everything is done the right way. This podcast is published by Ghana Friendship. The stories are told and produced by Anna Skolberg and Caroline Nørkjær. If you like our stories from Ghana, we can only encourage you to go there yourself. There are many more stories than the one we have told.